the morning after the world ended, I flew to Vermont. <laughs> it wasn't my choice. I wouldn't have lined it up that way because you never quite know that the world is going to end. They don't tell you that ahead of time, it turns out. And so I was pretty surprised by it. And so was everyone else I saw at the airport, which is the worst place to see anyone ever. And we're all actually at our worst at the airport, sort of embodying our worst selves, trying to put on a good face, but wearing stretchy elastic pants to get through the security scanners and wearing our comfy shoes, just, just generally not looking good and not feeling good. But on this day, it was like something else entirely, like every single person looked like they had seen death in the face. And we all had this shared experience that no one wanted to talk about. No one wanted to talk about it. No one wanted to talk about the man. No one wanted to make small talk. At the best of times, you don't want to do that at an airport. But on this day today, it was like a tomb. It reminded me of only one thing I can think of in memory. And I hesitate even to say it. But it really is true. It reminds me of is September 12th. I was in the city. I'd been in the city. And it was the day after. And it was the same level of shock and dislocation. Everyone had had some sleep, even if it had been fitful. And so suddenly they were in a new day. And so you could not actually um, uh, uh, cope with it as well as you were. And everyone had had that experience, the horrible experience of being a human being that many of us have had, where something terrible has happened to you. And you go to sleep, you finally go to sleep. Maybe you couldn't even tell. Maybe it's a breakup, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's the end of the world. And when you wake up for a few moments, you don't know what's happened. And then you remember just a few moments. And there's something so terrible about that. I remember when I was getting divorced, I remember vividly what that felt like. And I felt it again this morning in the moments before I got myself together and into the cab to get into the airport to wait with the other people, all of whom had stared death in the face, to get on a plane half full of zombies flying up to Vermont, <laughs> to sit here and talk to you about Star Trek. <laughs> and Moby Dick, <laughs> and rarely has that seemed like a dumber idea. <laughs> I sat on the plane and I thought, what kind of fucking shit is this? I can't believe you ever made this show and then you sold it to presenters, they were like, yes. Mike Daisy's pooped out another treasure. He's taken two things and he put them together and oh, it's amazing. And I was like, what a, how, how could I, I'm, there's no point in talking about either of these things ever again. Uh, Star Trek is, is garbage and Melville is garbage and words are garbage and English is a garbage language spoken by garbage people. 
it's all bullshitting garbage. And that's what I thought as I rented my rental car. I drove my way to this theater where very nice people took care of me like I was a wounded vet. And I was. They were wounded too, but they were very nice. They, they set up these lights and they set up the stage as though there was going to be a show. I didn't have the heart to tell them, there's no show! Don't you, the fucking world ended! What kind of fucking people are even going to come out for this fucking show? Who the, who the fuck about, you know, the world ended and we're just hosed. We're just hosed because, like, whatever happens... Whether it's, uh, whether, 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 I mean, I don't know how it's going to end. That's the only question now. It's sort of like, it turns out that when in negotiations, he grabbed Putin's pussy and then they won! Like, we don't know how it's actually going to end, but it's going to end in fire or ice. You know that Robert Frost, it's going to end badly, though. It's going to end terribly. We're all going to burn. So since you all know you're going to die, maybe that's why you did come. Maybe you're sort of like... If we we're going to die, we might as well have a few jollies. You know, we might as well have a little fun. Or more accurately, probably, knowing just knowing how human beings are. You probably were like, the tickets are already bought. <laughs> you know? What are you going to do? I know the world's ending, but we bought the tickets. So we have to go. No one wants to. No one wants to be here. I feel you. Whatever you feel about your confused, conflicted feelings about being here, think how I feel. I'm with you. I am with you. I don't know why we didn't just meet at a bar. I have no idea. I understand. It's just failure on my part to like be ahead of the curve in terms of in terms of anticipation. Really, I mean, I tried to anticipate. I been performing a show about the situation we are in right now for the last six months. For six months, I've been touring it all over the country. I took it to 18 different cities. I performed it over and over again. I took it to Broadway. I filmed it on Broadway. I had to put it on the internet so everyone could see it. Hundreds of thousands of people watched it. We all had this experience. I brought it to all these people. And I apparently didn't read my own show. I didn't listen to it, really, because I was still surprised when the things I talked about being really afraid of, like the, the things I talked about, where I said, no, 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 this is how a performer works, and I'm a performer, so I know how he works. And I said, like, he's very dangerous. Demagogues are dangerous. This is how it breaks down. I, I, still, I was still in shock. I was in complete shock. I'm still in shock. And so I'm here to, to do this thing, you know, this thing. And I understand uh, why my, my art form has a number of different purposes, you know. <laughs> sometimes it's to provoke. Sometimes it's to heal. Sometimes it, it, it's really sort of like the way that people go to church, you know. You, wanna, you want to engage in some kind of act that will bring catharsis. But sometimes your faith is challenged. You feel like your faith is challenged. Like, how, how could this happen? I have so many friends to explain to their children today what happened. Who had to tell their, their little girls what happened. How this man, that they don't know the details of this man, but they know enough. You know, children are really smart. And they have to turn to these little girls and tell them that this monster is in charge of this country and will decide everything and has more power 
has more power in a single night than any leader we've had, certainly in my lifetime and a long time before that. It's staggering. And feels hopeless. Everyone I know is in seizures of kind of a black, bottomless anger mixed with a kind of existential despair. A large number of people I know immediately thought about fleeing the country. Some of them just thought they would go to Vermont. <laughs> but I don't believe in that. Because... I grew up here, and this is my place, and I belong here, and also, more importantly, there are people, there are men and women who do not have the ability to even dream of leaving this situation. They can't pick up stakes and go. They can't flip through a travel guide and think about where they might summer next. They don't have those options. They're going to be here. I could never, I, could, I just couldn't leave them behind. I'm also, you know, not that good at other languages. <laughs> There's that as well. So, you know, I'm probably stuck with the English, which, you know, normally, early in the monologue, I'm talking up how wonderful English is and how Melville reveals so much. Tonight, I'm like, or it's garbage. <laughs> just fucking garbage. Just a big fucking book about wailing and bullshit. Bullshit and wailing and bullshit. I think that what I'm afraid of most right now is that people after today, after the first day, you know, humans are so good at adapting. That's what's scary about us. We are so good at adapting, you know? We're like frogs in that pot. We're just like, how, how warm is it in here? Oh, is it getting warmer? I hadn't noticed because we're so good at that. We're really good at that, you know? I saw a bunch of people online actually pointed out that People Magazine kind of got a jump on the... People Magazine is already starting to run their sort of puff pieces, like you expect, all about Melania and her kids and sort of like normalizing everything, sort of talking about how, you know, like, like creating those sort of celebrity pieces. That's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of that, that the process of normalization. You can see it in my... Facebook feed and the Twitter. You can see different people as the anger spikes. It's so hard to hold on to anger. It's so hard to hold on to love. But both of them sort of burn, and so there's a tendency to pull back toward the middle, say, well, we know what he was like during the race, but maybe now, maybe now, you know, now with the mantle of authority on him, you know, he has such a track record when given power to reacting to that well. Yeah. Maybe this time, maybe this time he'll really handle it really well. Unlike the last 50 or so years that we have amply documented, perhaps this is the moment that things go differently. You can think that. You can wish that. I think you're a fool. I think you're a fool. I think anybody wishing that is a fool, and I think the institutions that reinforce that including the journalists who've aided and abetted in the rise of this person, I think those people should be the first against the wall when the revolution comes. I swear to fucking God. And it's going to be a grim accounting because I think some of us are going to have to think about whether we belong against that wall too. 
I mean, we're really going to have to think about how easy it is to find accommodation with these things, with the racism, the, the bigotry, the things that fed this guy's candidacy were always there. They were always in America. We made these choices. We made choices because it is hard to confront things over and over and over again. I do it too. You just you, you start putting up with things. You start accepting things as they are. You start saying, all right, that's how it is. It's always easier to do that. It is so fucking hard to actually hold the line. And I think we're going to need to do that. I think we're going to need to really hold the line on this person because I'm afraid of this man. I'm very afraid of this man. I've actually never had someone who had power in this country who I felt like was potentially an existential threat to the existence of this country itself and its continuity as a society that is democratic. I haven't actually ever felt that. And I'm a, I'm a crazy artist type. So I've felt all kinds of things. I'm, I'm prone to saying all kinds of things. You're like, that's great! And I, I yell about things. I've never felt this way about anyone or anything in my life as I feel about the clear and present danger of the immense power this man has just been handed with no checks upon it. And it's so hard because we feel powerless. Like, I felt like I did everything I possibly could. I did everything. I used my art. I did all these things. There's a great lesson in that. The lesson is, you know, sometimes you're, you're the hammer, and sometimes you're the anvil, and sometimes you are that which is trapped between. You do not always win. This isn't a storytelling book, you know. This isn't, these aren't fairy tales, this life we have. Just because you try so hard and you've done the right things does not mean it is going to work out. Sometimes it doesn't turn out the way that we wish it would. Sometimes it doesn't even turn out the way that is right. And you can see the other path glimmering for an instant before it vanishes. And it does vanish. And you can cling to it or you can get up and start walking forward. You don't have to do that today. You're sitting in an audience. This is a speech for me. I'm building myself up to get into the show. And I appreciate your indulgence in putting up with it. The thing I... Uh, I don't feel very Pollyanna about any of this. I think that I think it's pretty terrible. There's something I've been, I've been thinking about and that I find is more complex and nuanced than most of what I've been thinking in the last 24 hours. And that thing is the polling. The polling was, what's the word I'm looking for? Fucked. The polling was <laughs> fucked. Oh my God, the polling was so fucked. And we all have these wonderful devices, right? So we all were like, how's the polling? How's the polling? Like, never has an entire society been so keyed in to the biofeedback mechanism of exactly, like, how are we all feeling? How are we all feeling? You know, it's as if we were all practicing a kind of Facebook analysis, like, how many people are liking Hillary Clinton? How many people are liking Donald Trump? And we were tracking it, like, in real time as we checked the polls. And the poll people were like, don't worry. We're, we're using complex math that we're, we're going to be totally transparent about and explain exactly how it works 
In fact, near the end, I don't know if you remember this, multiple different poll people started to have like math fights. You know, they started to be like, 538 says it's like this much, but I say it's this much. And they're like, yeah, broad T statistical analysis. And they said all kinds of shit. And I was like, I don't know what any of this means, but it's the election, so I'm reading everything. And so I like read it all, and I was like, I don't know what any of that means. Well, they seem very angry with each other. And what I took from all that you know, as I've been thinking about today, you know, I've had, I, you know, like anybody, people are so angry, they throw, they throw down all kinds of things. It's a conspiracy! You know, it's a, I was like, well, it's not a conspiracy. A conspiracy, you know, uh, for, people are not smart enough to make a conspiracy that good. Conspiracies are dumber than that, the real ones anyway. Um, this, like, this isn't a conspiracy. No one faked up these poll numbers. Nobody told all the pollsters to trick everyone. Something happened. What could happen? And the funny thing I keep thinking back to, you know, I, I come from far northern Maine, and um, one of the things I talk about in the show that I took everywhere and talked about and that I should have listened to a little better myself is about how, you know, people are private about their feelings, about how they vote, about the things they do. A pollster works with data. Their data is only as good as what people will give them, right? So if you don't tell people how you're actually going to vote. If a certain percentage of people just don't confess that they're going to vote a certain way, your data is going to be junked. And it wouldn't take that many, right? You really only need, you're talking an offset of three, four, five percent. That much is enough to completely devastate all the models you have. And that would be something that would run, it looks like it ran everywhere. Almost everywhere things were off by like a really sizable, sizable significant offset. Thing is, I think this is actually a slightly inspiring sign. In the midst of like the shittiest day, and I understand if you're hearing this and you're just like, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't care. These people did this. I don't. If I find, like, if I find one of these people, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, do you want to go outside? And when they go outside, I'm gonna hit them my truck. I understand. <laughs> I might even help you. I understand. It's, it's not a good time. But I'm saying that. Underneath that, a percentage of those people, a large enough percentage that it mapped to how much those polls were offset, a sizable percentage of those people did not tell the truth to people who called them about who they would vote for. And there's only one reason they wouldn't do that. And it's that they are ashamed. That's why. And that is actually good news. Those people are ashamed, and I know it's terrible, and I know we did the wrong thing. This country did the wrong thing. I know that. And a percentage of people who did it, they know it too. I bet a number of them today, as they wake up, feel a little bit like the people after Brexit, and are looking around and being like, oh shit, I don't, I just, I didn't think it would really, oh my god. And as they watch the entire Trump presidency happen. I think they'll begin to regret that too in stages. Some of them, not all of them. But what's important is I think some of them regretted it from the outset. Some of them regret it right now. Some of them knew that they couldn't bring themselves to tell, even just a pollster calling them, they couldn't tell a pollster they were going to do this thing. They are ashamed of the thing they're doing. That's an important step closer to being unwilling to do it all. It indicates an awareness that the things you do 
might be racist, might be bigoted, might be just fucking wrong. And you might want to do them. And then you do them, but you think about it at night. You lay in bed. And I hope that because I can't sleep now. And things are running through my mind as I lay in bed. So I hope for some of these people something's running through their mind. Not all of them. Some are just celebrating. Some of them don't have a fucking thought in their heads. Some of them are happy. And this is exactly what they wanted. Those aren't the people that we need. There are people that were on the fence. There were people who knew it was wrong. There are people who were ashamed to admit that they did it. That's a kind of hope. It's not the best hope. But it's the first day. This is the kind of hope I have today. (laughs) It's something.